You are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I am joined by Brooks Childress, as we have just a one-hour show here on this Tuesday as Borgard High School Baseball will be coming up just around 4.15, 4.30 this afternoon. And due to some scheduling, we got to cut it one segment shorter than I thought we would yesterday. So we're getting off air right around 4 o'clock on this Tuesday afternoon. So we will get right to it. We'll have Justin Ferguson on at 3.30. If you want to give us a quick phone call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll also try to get to uh, the new announced playoff format for the college football playoff. No surprises, but did want to go ahead and update you on that. So, again, just an hour of the show. Be flying by the seat of our pants here on this Tuesday. And with that, Brooks Childress, I hope you are doing well. Good to see you again, sir. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good uh, good day here at Auburn. Uh, can't wait to talk about all the uh, the important news. Can't wait to get to all of our callers. Um, had some some fine basketball on last night. Nothing overly exciting went on, but it was uh, it was some good college basketball action for you last night. If you were into that, I, I watched a little bit of that Iowa State uh, Houston game uh, toward the end of it. But uh, other than that, it's uh, it's a great day. It's uh, getting ready for another Auburn baseball game tonight as they take on in-state foes UAB. The Blazers come to town. Uh, one of two meetings on the year. They you get the uh, you get the Blazers at home, and then you travel to Birmingham to take them on later in the year. Uh, so a good midweek test for the Tigers uh, before they head to Jacksonville this week. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that and uh, get into uh, a, a quick sports call today. Yeah, we used to do, again, as we as I'm sure if you've listened for years or have heard us mention in the past, we used to do a two-hour show. And uh, when we'd have it shortened, because it would be from four to six, we would have it shortened and sometimes have as little as a 30-minute show. And obviously that would be very concise and uh, now having just an hour show feels like a complete rush and uh, got to get to this, this, and this. But uh, we will make the best of it here for this one hour, and we are excited about Borgard High School baseball and softball getting underway. Smith Station will be on at 4 o'clock over on FM Talk 93.9 at Russell County. Borgard will be hosting Beulah right here around 4.30 on Tiger 95.9. So, again, that's the reason for the very shortened show on this Tuesday. So let's get to it. Again, as uh, just mentioned, the college football playoff uh, did have an official rule change today. Uh, of course, when the 12-team playoff was agreed upon last year, we had five Power Five conferences, or we had five Power Conferences at that time. 
Well, now we're down to four, and that uh, has constituted a change. It was going to be a six-plus-six model of the highest six-ranked conference champions plus six at-large bids. But with the removal of one of the power conferences, we're down to four power conferences. They still wanted access to at least one of the smaller conferences. So, therefore, uh, they didn't want two of those. Therefore, we are now to the five-plus-seven model, the Five highest-ranked conference champion. Again, so not guaranteed any one conference. If the ACC is having a train wreck year or something, Big 12 having a train wreck year, and there's a Boise State out of the Mountain West, and, and let's call it a Memphis out of the AAC or an App State or whoever were to somehow be ranked higher, then it would be two group of fives. But uh, otherwise, we expect the four power leagues will constantly get their highest-ranked conference champion in, plus one of the group of five. Uh, again, reminder that the first-round game seeds 5 through 12 will be played on campus, so we will have those campus home games. We'll go to the bowl structure for the quarterfinals, which is the round of eight, round of four, and the championship game. The top four seeds are going to be the four highest-ranked conference champions. So that is a part of the lure of winning your conference championship is that you uh, get the right to have a top four. You uh, you cannot have the bye. You cannot have a top four seed if you did not win your conference championship. So that's a part of the incentive to go win your conference. And so, Brooks, uh, what do you think of this model? I know it's not vastly different than uh, what we were going to have, basically the same premise, but just with one less conference of importance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the uh, I, I I like it. Um, I like the you win your conference, you win your conference championship. You're you get that that buy. I, I, I do uh, enjoy, or I, I do like, or the, you get automatically in. I guess I should say it's, uh, but you're you so you, you get automatically in for winning your conference championship. So you are not uh, you are doing what we've. We we that the comp that the the playoff committee said they were emphasizing and then sometimes didn't emphasize where you were looking at you know they you always heard uh, during at least during the fourteen playoff it was the conference champions were were you know we're prioritizing conference championships and then sometimes that you you felt like they weren't really prioritizing a conference champion over a, a non conference champion um, and so it was a. It was a it, yeah. It was it, this is good. You you get the five uh, top conference champions in there, and then the rest of the the, the big teams. And, and I like it because, like you said, if for some reason you get a you get a Boise State or you get a a Troy or you get a you know it's never happened before. But let's throw Buffalo in there from the MAC <laughs> just to just to have some fun with that. If they're if they're a conference champion ranked higher than say a a, a Big Twelve champion or or an, an ACC champion something like that, um, yeah, they get in. They automatically get in, and they don't have to fight their way and you know kind of kind of hope you know hope and. And, uh, and and campaign try to campaign their way in to say we're one of the uh, rest the other seven uh, good uh, great teams here and so it's 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 going to be fun I, I I do like it I, I like the format um, I've I've just excited for an expanded playoff to get here because uh, we are I think last week we would have been like three months or not three months we would have only been three weeks out of talking about a, a national title game so it's it's going to be super super fun to to get more more college football in our lives yeah look I've again no secret I'm. Uh, I've been a proponent of a bigger playoff. I've been excited for it. I'm excited to see how it will function. One of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about how um, this will change 
you know, or, or, or what might be the, the preferred way of getting in. Look, you will want to play. Um, you will want to play one last game. You will want the buy. Uh, it makes you closer to national title. I think it is a little different than conference tournaments in baseball and in basketball because there, you want to win an SEC title. You want to win whatever conference title you're in. However, if you're in a big league like the SEC, we were talking the other day. If you're Auburn. Maybe you just want to play around earlier against a weaker team, try to get the momentum going because, well, it's not as vital. You won't like the biggest prize out there is not the conference tournament. Well, when you're in this tournament for a college football national championship, there is no bigger tournament. So it's way more logical. There is way more reason to just be around further. Even if you were playing a team you felt you were better than in the first round, you don't want stuff to go down and you don't want to get injuries. You don't want to be upset somehow, even if you are the better team. So you'd like to be around further in. So that that part of it's obvious. But to be the five seed is going to be, I think, very valuable in this playoff structure. Here's why. You've got to rank the top four conference champions in the top four seeds. That's their mandate. And then you know that a fifth conference champion, probably coming from a smaller conference like the Mountain West or the American or, or Sunbelt, is going to be an automatic bid. It is not likely that they are going to be higher than 12th uh, in seeding or in ranking. I mean, there's very few group of five teams are going to make their way in the top 10 in the country, just period, in the discussion. So even if they're ranked 15th and they're close, they're going to end up being the 12th seed. So as the five seed, you would play that smaller conference champion in the first round on your home field so that's an excellent opportunity to advance. And then it is going to be bracketed. It's not going to be like the NFL where you re-rack them depending on the highest seed remaining and all that. You would play the four seed. Well, I just told you that the four top four seeds are going to be the four highest-ranked conference champions. So that's not necessarily the four best teams in the country. You could have the ACC champion, let's call it, let's, let's call it something you know, like Pittsburgh, or, or a two- or three-loss Clemson team. Uh, I know Florida State's going to be a good position next year, but just bear with me. Uh, or, or let's even go Big 12. That's a more viable example. Let's go Big 12. Uh, talking on the fly here. Let's go Big 12 example and say it's Oklahoma State next year, 10-2. and two. Say they're number nine in the country, 10 in the country. But they're going to be the number four seed because they're the fourth-highest-ranked power conference champion or the fourth-highest-ranked uh, fourth conference champion. So as the five seed... You are playing a group of five school in the first round on your home field. And then in the round of eight, you are playing a team that's probably not actually the fourth best team in the country. In fact, you're probably ranked ahead of them and you're now on a neutral field. So that five seed to me, most years is going to be incredibly valuable because it's going to be the highest ranked at-large team that's probably going to make them better than the fourth ranked uh, conference champion and you're playing the 12 seed, which at bare minimum is a team that probably has two or three losses, or it's the Mountain West champ or the Conference USA champ or whoever. And so that five seeds path to advancing in the final four is going to be, I'm going to say nothing's easy, but as palatable and as, as, as diminished as it could be for, for the circumstances. And so that's something that I've thought about and struck me is that there will be an advantage in strength of opponent by being a five seed in some instances. Now, again, there's value on either side because you're the four seed and you're the 
number eight, nine, ten team in the country, you didn't have to play an extra game. So that's great for you. I mean, again, you've already advanced to the quarterfinal round. You're already in the top eight. Uh, so that so you get something out of that. There's, I don't think it's going to be devalued to lose a conference title game, and some of those teams are not going to be able to afford it if you are ranked around ninth or tenth. But um, that pathway is very interesting to me. So Brooks, also before we move, before we move on here, do you still like the dynamic? And I know we talked about this at the time when it got announced last year, but just rekindling it, and we'll rekindle it again over the summer and that sort of thing. But do you like the on-campus nature of the first round versus the Bulls uh, later on? Is, does that uh, structure make sense? Is there something that you would rather have than that? Um, you know, I, I haven't given it much thought. Uh, I do I, I, I do like the 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 way it is right, or the, the way it has been where you, you play, you know, the playoffs are always neutral site games. Um, I, I, you know, I, I like sticking, I, I like that where you're not playing a home game, but you, cause you know, you, you look at other, uh, you look at the other big tournament, uh, from the NCAA, which is the basketball tournament. None of those, none of those tournaments are, are home site games. Um, even the conference tournaments, you don't even play at home sites. So it, it feels weird. Uh, a little weird that you would go and you know let's say you play your conference turn you know your conference championship game well the SEC is going to play it continue to play it in Atlanta so you play you know say you play your last home game then you go to Atlanta and then you are one of those six through twelve seeds and you know you you say you get a home game you go back home so it's like boom 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 uh, and then you go back neutral so I and I I would probably I I would be in favor of going all neutral. But the thing that makes college football great is the atmospheres of the college campuses, um, the the atmospheres in your home stadium, uh, and so I, I think that's what you're trying to get here. And I'm I'm not going to argue against it because there are always good atmospheres. It's always such a you know it, it you, you college football Saturdays are you know they are few and far between when it comes to football season because you only get what five six seven per year at, at your home stadium so adding another home game getting more revenue for your schools that would be that that is that's awesome my my other my problem another problem that i am uh, sitting here you know as i'm talking my way through this is these are going to be played in december mid-december late december well guess what all the colleges are out for christmas it's it's the the winter break the christmas break and so yeah students are going to come back and students are going to be there but the thing is is a lot of schools and i know auburn is one of these they close the dorms and so there's a lot of like you know underclassmen that that live in the dorms that are going to have to find a place to stay when if they came back for if we're an auburn home playoff game and so it's it's logistically it's going to be weird. I'm sure they'll you know Auburn will get something figured. Auburn these universities could get something figured out uh, for that. But um, I see both sides of the coin. Personally, I would prefer to go all neutral because it would just I I think that you're playing your you know the 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 semifinal the quarterfinal semifinals national championship or neutral site games. Um, but I I understand and I'm not you know I'm I'm not against the home games. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the show today. Again, a very short edition of the show, getting off air right around 4 o'clock today. And we got Justin Ferguson coming up at 3.30. So if you want to give us a call, give us a call right now at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this timeout. 
Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The sports call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this very shortened edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We are sports call and we are getting off air at four o'clock today as Borgard High School basketball uh, baseball, excuse me, comes up uh, just prior to 4:30. Also got some other scheduling things going on to where we got to be out of here at four. Uh, so, again, a very short show today. Coming up in just a few minutes, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will be with us at 3.30 to chat with us as he does each and every Tuesday, so you don't want to miss that. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. And this is a really good birthday list today, and it starts with the round mound of rebound. Charles Barkley... The great Sir Charles turned 61 today. Barkley, of course, played, uh, started at Leeds High School in Leeds, Alabama, for playing college basketball at, of course, Auburn. He was then selected fifth overall in the 1984 NBA draft by the Philadelphia 76ers. Barkley went on to have an incredible career in the NBA. He was an MVP, an 11-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA first-teamer, five-time All-NBA second-teamer. His number 34s retired by the Philadelphia 76ers and Phoenix Suns. In 2006, he was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Of course, he frequently visits the Plains, and you can see his NBA coverage on TNT, which is always hilarious with the inside the NBA guys. The great Charles Barkley is 61 today. He did the uh, alternate broadcast the other night of the uh, the, um, the, the All-Star, All-Star game. game. Yeah. Yes, he did, and that was probably more entertaining than the game itself. Uh, so Charles Barkley, 61 today. Barry Sanders is 55, former NFL running back. Sanders is considered to be one of the best running backs of all time. Sanders played college football at Oklahoma State. Go Pokes! Before being selected third overall in the 1989 NFL Draft by the Detroit Lions. Sanders would spend his whole career in Detroit, where he was an NFL MVP, a two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year, a six-time first-team All-Pro, a ten-time Pro Bowler, and much more. In 2003, Sanders was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The great Barry Sanders is 55 today. Not a lot like him. Not at all. Justin Verlander is 41 today, current pitcher for the Houston Astros. Verlander is considered to be one of the best pitchers of the modern era. Verlander played college baseball at Old Dominion. Sco Monarchs. Monarchs, that's right. Before being drafted second overall in the 2004 MLB draft. Verlander has been a dominant pitcher, being a nine-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, three-time AL Cy Young Award winner. He's also pitched three no-hitters. And Brooks, I thought he was starting to run low on gas four or five years ago. And he's revamped and still throw 96. Yep. And still awesome. Yep. Into his early 40s. That's right. Great Justin Verlander is 41 today. And BMAC, Brian McCann is 40, former MLB catcher. McCann is best known for his stint with the Atlanta Braves. The Braves selected McCann in the second round of the 2002 MLB draft. During his time in Atlanta, he would go on to be a seven-time All-Star and a multi-year Silver Slugger Award winner. 
McCann bounced around before finishing his career with the Braves. He finished with 282 homers and over 1,000 RBIs, both really solid marks for a catcher. Brian McCann turns 40 today, and that is the really good list of birthdays in sports on this February the 20th. Brian McCann is 40. Justin Berlander is 41. Barry Sanders is 55, and Sir Charles Barkley is 61. And uh, speaking of McCann and Verlander, those baseball guys, um, spring training is is near. First game of the complete schedule is Thursday, I believe, Dodgers and Pods. And then the Braves get going this weekend, as does everyone else. And we're very excited about that. We'll be mm-hmm. previewing in the month of March much about the Atlanta Braves as we continue to air them. We're the official home here in East Alabama of the Atlanta Braves on 1230 WAUDAM. So we'll continue to preview them in March as well as the rest of Major League Baseball. So a very exciting time of year for sure. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show, and that's because on the other side of this break, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will be joining us. He'll talk about Auburn basketball after that loss to Kentucky, the status of Jalen Williams, and how the Tigers will have to rebound with two road trips, first to Athens, then to Knoxville coming up in the next couple of games. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon as we go to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Kind enough to spend some more time with us on this Tuesday. And Ferg, as always, we appreciate the time. How are things in your world today? I'm all right. How are you all? Doing very well. And, of course, I got to start with Auburn basketball and, and how – Things transpired on Saturday against Kentucky, had uh, everything uh, in terms of energy and college game day, and then the game came, and it was the complete opposite of how Auburn played against South Carolina on Wednesday. What did you see go wrong for the Tigers there? That's a combination of things. Number one, I thought Kentucky played a really good game, especially on defense. We haven't seen Kentucky really play that level of defense this season. Um, I think they really got after Auburn's guards, made it hard for them to you know, get the ball inside to um, you know, Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, and Auburn was kind of out of sync from there uh, because of that. So credit needs to go to Kentucky, but also Auburn didn't execute as sharply as they had a few days earlier. Missed a lot of open shots. Um, just really, really good looks that just didn't fall for them in this game. And it was kind of an outlier performance when you see Auburn, you don't see them shoot this badly at home. And it had been um, a very, very long time. I think it had been you know, something along the lines of like six years, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, actually, I think it was eight years uh, since 
Auburn had shot that low of a field goal percentage at home. So, I mean, you're talking about something that just doesn't happen. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a combination of Kentucky doing a really good job with Auburn's defense, really hitting them where they hurt. Um, you know, Auburn's point guards uh, did not play very well in this game. Really got affected by the defense that threw everything off. And then Auburn just missed open shots that they usually hit uh, at home. And when you combine both of those things, it just kind of takes the wind out of you uh, as an offense. And, of course, the Jalen Williams injury right around the time where Auburn was making a push just really, uh, I think, just killed Auburn's chances of making a comeback. So, um, yeah, it was just a really poor offensive game for a number of reasons, some of Auburn's own making, some of Kentucky's making. Uh, I thought Auburn's defense was pretty good. Um, got a ton of opportunities to I mean when you hold a team like Kentucky to 70 points uh, and you hold some of their big time players down that should be enough to win at home Uh, unfortunately Auburn could not take advantage of that defense with their own offense made too many mistakes in transition you know it was just just an unclean game there on that end of the floor Uh, and that's why it was it was a tough loss Justin, early in that game, uh, you know, Kentucky came out firing, and it wasn't like they were just they they were dominating the the floor. It was uh, they came out, they were just running their offense. Do you think that Auburn on on offense they were trying for to to blow the lid off of Neville Arena, and, and that's what kind of got them behind before they settled in? I think some of the fast break stuff they were trying to do, where they turned the ball over and they were doing a little too much. I think that was part of that, um, and you know, kind of gave them a. Hard time. I mean, Auburn needed to force turnovers, and like Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over a lot. They are a team that uh, takes care of it. And, and so, when you get opportunities to turn your defense and the offense, you got to take advantage of them. I think Auburn never did. Kind of got them out of sync uh, early on uh, because of that. And then, yeah, I mean, I think guys, you know, in the half court, um, Auburn was taking a lot of jumpers, and it's not bad they were taking a lot of jumpers. Although I think that's kind of where Kentucky wanted 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 them to do, especially with Trey Mitchell out of the game for them up front they just weren't going down and it felt like Auburn just kind of kept trying to will that kill shot uh, out there and it never really happened um and yeah and Kentucky's Kentucky's one of the best offenses in America um you know Antonio Reeves is a guy that hits a ton of floaters and you know is a big guard it was kind of tough for Auburn to kind of hang with him especially with like Trey Donaldson in foul trouble and that kind of affected the whole rotation and Auburn kind of got out of whack with that should have mentioned that earlier. I think the, the foul trouble really threw Auburn off as well uh, in, in this game because their rotations were, were kind of crazy. Even before Chad Baker-Mazzara had his injury scare and, and of course, Jalen Williams leaving the game early. So I think, yeah, just you kind of got out of sync, and Kentucky just played very solidly, played their game, and, and you know, played played to their talent level. This is team's got four or five stars on it, and a guy like Reeves who's played a lot of good college basketball in his career. Um, I think Kentucky finally played up to their potential. Meanwhile, Auburn had an off game, and when you combine those two things, it, 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 you know it's hard to it's hard to win. And Justin, of course, you mentioned there at the end of the game, the more significant of the two injuries is as Chad Baker Mazzara did return, but Jalen Williams did not. And uh, initial fear that it would be very significant. Of course, uh, Auburn ruling on Sunday that it would not be season end, uh, ending. What do we know about the timetable for him? And uh, assuming he does at least miss a game or two, uh, who will need to step up in his absence? Yeah, it was a big surprise. I mean, I think a lot of people were very concerned uh, on Saturday night. It, it did not look good at first. And then, um, you know, the MRI comes through and it, and it turns out that, hey, it's something that he can come back from. It's not anything that you're going to have to, like, go under the knife for uh, right now. So 
Um, you know, I don't know an exact timetable. Uh, I believe John Rothstein reported at one point it was kind of like a, a couple of weeks. I think if Auburn could get him back before the end of the regular season, let him have senior day against Georgia uh, here in a few weeks, I think that would be the perfect you know time. If they can get him back earlier than that, great. But I think if you can get him out there, let him get his feet wet again, you know, um, get back into a group before you go to Nashville for the SEC tournament. I think that's the best case scenario uh, for Auburn here. We'll see. I, I will say it does not seem like this injury was anywhere near as serious as we thought it was going to be initially. Bruce Pearl talked about that yesterday in Birmingham. That um, you know, he said that you know they're very fortunate and they're very grateful that and thankful that you know Jalen was not as bad as they thought. And, um, you know, I I think we'll see Jalen Williams, you know, sometime at the by the end of the season. I think that's I think you know that's a I, I don't want to say a guarantee because you know everything can happen and recovery and all that. But the thing is, the timeline looks pretty good for him to make a return. Um, what do they do in the meantime? Well, I wrote a lot about that yesterday uh, at the Observer. I think you're going to see a lot more Cheney Johnson, which I think is Cheney Johnson to me. If you look at his numbers, he's ready to go. I think defensively. And rebounding wise, I think he can definitely fill in for Williams and do it admirably at that at that power forward spot. It's going to be the offense, so you're going to need other guys to step up on offense. Um, Chad Baker-Mazar is the one that you clearly see as a guy that probably needs to take some more shots, take a little bit more of that playmaking role, and kind of help out that group. Chad Baker-Mazar and Chaney Johnson, when they play together this year, it's been a really really good combo. So I, I'm looking to see probably some more of that here moving forward. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit more Chris Moore. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, him probably have to moonlight some of power forward. Again, not a guy who's going to give you a ton of offense, but rebounding the defense, the hustle, that kind of stuff. So you're going to need your guards to step up around him on offense. You're going to need Janai Broom, I think, uh, to carry more of the load, although he's been playing really well, even in defeat here recently. I think the guys at Auburn is going to want to push in there into the starting lineup or you know, into the main rotation. Those guys are going to have to need some help. They're just going to need some help on offense. Um, and so you could see some things like, you know, Denver Jones probably playing at a three, probably run a three-guard backcourt at times. Maybe see Janai Broom and uh, Dylan Carwell play together at points. I think that's an opportunity you could see. Maybe you could see a small ball lineup, uh, you know, where you play a small forward at the four and try to run and gun that way. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of mix and match to make the most of it. But I think the bottom line is, I think defensively and in terms of rebounding, I think Auburn's going to be fine. It's the offense of Jalen Williams that you're really going to miss. And the only way you're going to be able to replace that is other guys have to step up. And I think it's your guards, especially, need to need to carry that, the bulk of that load. Justin, uh, last Saturday we, we saw Auburn get dominated on the road at Kentucky or at, at Florida, and then came home and, and had this this performance against Kentucky. Are these two performances something that Auburn fans should worry about when it comes to playing these kind of caliber opponents in March? Meaning, meaning like Florida and, and, and Kentucky, yeah, like, like those kind that, of teams, like they're yeah, like those kind of caliber of teams, like the, those are the type of teams you're going to see when you get to the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely in a second round or you know further on scenario, I think the Florida was a bad matchup for Auburn, you know, or I should say a, a non-ideal matchup for Auburn uh, because they're really good and physical in the front court and they've got good guard play. I think Kentucky not as great in the front court, um, uh, but you know their guards are really really good as well. And I think Auburn, I, you know, I think their loss to Florida was kind of more of hey, bad matchup, short rest on the road against a well-rested team. It was a, it was a bad recipe to begin with. Kentucky game more of you didn't play very well, 
the other team play a little bit better. So, I, you know, I, I think this Auburn team, when they're at their ceiling, when they're at their peak, they're really, really good. I mean, the fact that Alabama continues to lead the SEC race and Auburn, you know, blew them out at home, I think shows you what they can do blowing out South Carolina like they did is a is another great sign that they've beaten some good teams this season. Um, taking it on the road, I think it's just the postseason is just matchup based, really, to me. I mean, I think there are some teams that Auburn could square off with, you know, in the second round of the tournament or a second weekend or up in up in Nashville, and I think they would be tougher matchups. And there are some highly ranked teams that I think Auburn favors very very well against, um, and we've seen some of that kind of happen this year. Uh, so yeah, I think. I, again, I think the Florida game, kind of more of a matchup issue um, that kind of went awry there. Kentucky, that's a talented team that played well, and you didn't play as well. So, you know, I think for Auburn, if you're an Auburn fan, like, I, I wouldn't worry about it just because postseason basketball is so crazy. It's just a one-off thing. Like, you have one shot, and if you lose, you're done. We've seen really, really good teams go down. We've seen teams that weren't so, like, I, I think about the Final Four team for Auburn, how nobody was really believing in them until the very end of that season. So it's kind of hard to project out. I do think this team, though, for Auburn, they're balanced enough and they're talented enough and they play well enough um, that their ceiling is as good as you can get pretty much anywhere in college basketball. It's just a matter of you know, getting that a little bit more frequently, I think, is the big thing. And, ma- and matchups matter in that, in that case. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call and Ferg. Let's look at football for a moment because spring practice, of course, is starting next Tuesday. What are some storylines that you're following heading into the spring? Yeah, of course, it's going to be the quarterback battle, or if there is going to be a quarterback battle. It does seem like Hugh Freeze said after the bowl game that you got to consider to be open. You bring in Walker White um, you know, with all his you know, accolades coming out of high school. He'll come in. Peyton Thorne's still here. You know, Hank Brown, here, Olden Garner. Be interested to see how Auburn handles the quarterback situation. I'm not expecting anybody to come out and say, hey, this is it, this is our guy, or anything like that, you know, by the end of spring ball. But I think you're going to learn a lot about these guys. How much does Thorne improve, you know, with maybe some pieces like Cam Coleman and, you know, Bryce Kane, Robert Lewis, um, you know, some of the weapons they have next to him, a little bit more experienced offensive line, running back room, and all that. How much does he improve? How much do these young guys really push him? How much do these young guys have a shot, you know, kind of maybe unseat him as the starter? That's obviously the biggest storyline. This is a really big – the other one is, you know, this is a really big freshman class that came in um, with some really talented guys that are early enrollees. Not all of them are here. um, But, you know, Cam Coleman, Walker White, uh, DeMarcus Rick, Javante Waller, Morris Williams, like some of the very best players Auburn signed in this class. A lot of them really – are enrolled early, um, you know, for 2012. I think that's huge because I think Auburn, if Auburn wants to take a step forward this season on the field, they need some of these young guys to contribute right away. So getting those guys out there, getting their feet wet, getting them developed already in spring ball is going to be big. On the defensive side, I'm, you know, the big storyline for me is just how much different does this look? Um, you've got a rebuilding defensive front. You got some new faces there. You lost some key guys. Um, you know, you've got a new coaching staff. For the most part, you've got so you know, you've got several new pieces over on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you lost a lot in the secondary. You know, obviously, you've got some new pieces that you really want to fit in on the edge and a linebacker. So, there's a lot of moving parts to that defense. I think we're going to learn a lot about them in the spring, just kind of how this is going to look and how it kind of deploys, um, you know, here in, in the fall. So, it's a ton of intrigue. It's a, it's a ton of storylines, and a lot of it, I think, centers around 
who's new and how much can they make those quick impacts, both as players, but also as you know, some of these new coaches. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Ferg, as always, we appreciate the time. What can our listeners find at the Observer in the next uh, next few days? Yeah, you can check out a uh, story I did today on the Observer where I took uh, the SP Plus projections from ESPN and projected the full season for Auburn, just an early look at who they've got to play, where they stack up, where the numbers say, what what should the expectations be for the Tigers in 2024. So you check that out. Yesterday I did a story on um, just what Auburn's going to do while Jalen Williams is out. You can check that out as well. Tomorrow I'm going to do a story of players to watch in spring practice next week. Um, so you're going to want to see that. Uh, mailbag, we're doing mailbag a day early this week. It's going to be on Thursday instead of Friday just because of some schedule and stuff with basketball. So that will come out on Thursday. We'll preview the Auburn-Georgia game uh, on Friday with our buddy Jordan Hill uh, of Dogs 247. I'll be in Athens this weekend. We'll have, you know, full coverage of that as the Tigers get ready uh, for their trip to uh, face the Bulldogs and get back, you know, get back going here on the stretch run. So, ton of stuff going on. AuburnObserver.com. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Sign up. We email everything straight to you. So check it out. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. Again, Ferg, as always, we certainly appreciate the time, and we look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah, appreciate you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer again with us today on Sports Call. We are going to head to our final timeout, not only of the hour, but for the show today on this shortened edition of the show. We'll be back to start to wrap things up right after this. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm trevon reed former auburn tiger football player national champion you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here as we are entering already our final segment of the show today. Our thanks to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the other side of that break. Again, Borgard High School baseball coming up uh, just prior to 4.30 today. And again, the Smith Station game coming up at 4. So we've got to get out of here in just a few minutes. But we do have time for one phone call. On the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. With us today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Okay, no time for nice season. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yep. Okay, I'm going for a world record. See if I can do it. Okay. All right. I want to get your thoughts, guys, as quick as possible, maybe later on, on the uh, the bracketology. Of course, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw it Saturday. I watched it. I recorded it. Now, at that time, they had us as a four seed. I said, Wow. Uh, how is that possible? And yet they have Tennessee as a two seed and Alabama as a three seed. I said, well, we were ranked uh, in their net rankings at that time, number seven. So I saw this Phil Marshall article today, and I want to bring to your attention what he said because he expressed my, my, my skepticism about the rankings of the bracketology people. Uh, I mean, from a 
NCAA. It says, I saw today uh, where Jerry Palm projects Auburn as a number five seed. Joe Lenardi has Auburn as a number four seed. Auburn was number 13 in the selection committee's top 16. Yet Auburn is number seven in the net, supposedly the most important metric. So then he asked a question I want to ask you guys. Is it about who you beat and not who beats you? Yeah, I look, so uh, th- th- that that is a kind of a long-form conversation. What I would ask for the committee is to be consistent. If they use net ranking to determine bubble teams, then it also needs to determine other seeding throughout the process. And it doesn't have to be perfectly dead on, you know, one for one, one for one, but it does need to be within a few spots if that's what they're going to determine is on the on the bubble and and so yeah i mean clearly if you're a four or five seed then you're missing that mark if you're top eight in that well you say if they has a number seven uh ranking their, their own net ranking i knew well that we fall to four seed and you guys saw where the, the opponents we had that we matched up with right it was it was a murderous road compared to the Alabama had to contend with in their bracket, right? Well, well, I didn't, I didn't study uh, every everyone's bracket, but also because it's because a month to go, so those matchups can can change a lot. Um, it really, it's just okay. about the the numerical seeding is what we were trying to get out of it to kind of give us a. Uh, a, a, a reference point for the remainder of the year, but um, yeah. yeah, again, I think Auburn being, I, th- I mean, I don't look. Their net is seven. Do I think they're the seven best team in the country? No, I think they're more around ten, twelve, somewhere in there, uh, which would be a, a high three seed, maybe a four. Um, so, but I mean, if the net's seven, and if you do use that for bubble teams, you need to apply it for the entire field. That's what I thought. Okay, that's it, guys. Thank you very much. Have a relaxing afternoon. And uh, tomorrow, uh, I'll see if I can be a little bit longer. Yeah. Yes, sir. How are you, guys? Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Word AM Steve joining us on the orthopedic phone line. And we are down to our last two or three minutes here of the show. I appreciate Steve right there. Uh, and, yeah, again, I, just to, again, say, like, uh, for what it's worth, again, the, the net is something that they – they preach. I mean, if you don't have a certain net ranking, the committee does not look at you in a certain way and that sort of thing. So that regardless of what you think Auburn truly is and what they are in the AP poll and where they are in these standings and that standings, their measurement that they put together to try to formulate who the best teams are puts Auburn seven. And uh, if you are going to use that for the last four in, first four out and all that, then it should be applicable in really all situations in my estimation. So um, that would be the, again, it's it's kind of the consistency of refereeing. Like you can decide to call it tight. You can decide to call it loose, but just call it the same way throughout the game type of thing. Well, kind of same thing here. I don't have a problem if you think the net rankings are skewed a little bit, but you do need to provide a reason why and, and apply it throughout the tournament situations and not just to one one segment of the field and, and, and that sort of thing. We are down to our last minute or two of the show. Time for a real quick nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? One movie pick for you this evening. I start off at 7 o'clock on AMC. It is 
Knives Out. Uh, Love it. Great murder mystery. Uh, then we've got a lot of basketball for you tonight. No pro basketball. They're still on uh, All-Star break. So we'll start things off in the college world. 5.30 tonight on FS1. We'll start you a little early because we're getting off a little early. Butler visits Villanova. Then 6 o'clock on ESPN. Arkansas takes on Texas A&M. 6 o'clock ESPN2. Syracuse visits NC State. Also 6 o'clock on ESPNU. UCF visits West Virginia. Then the nightcap for everybody. 7.30 on FS1. UConn visits Creighton, 8 o'clock on, uh, that's on FS1. 8 o'clock on ESPN, Baylor visits BYU. 8 o'clock on ESPN2, TCU visits Texas Tech. And then 9.30, cap things off in the night at on FS1. San Jose State visits Boise State. And of course, if you're looking for some Auburn baseball, it is on tonight as they host UAB. 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. And that is the Nightly TV Guide brought to reference friends White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And thank you for being here on this shortened edition of the show. And we will see you again on Thursday. I'll be here. Again, that will do it as Borgard High School baseball does come up here in about 20 or so minutes. Got some other scheduling runarounds that we have to get to, so we're off air right now. But again, uh, stay tuned because Borgard High School baseball come up around 4.20 or so. Also, Smith Station baseball over on FM Talk 93.9 starting in just a couple of minutes. We want to thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us today. And as always, we want to thank all of those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.